Hey, y'all, my name is John Elmore. I serve as the men's director of recovery in uh, our ministry called Regeneration. Monday nights at 6.30. Everybody's welcome. So last week, I uh, am ashamed and embarrassed to stand here before you and tell you that my week was ruined by China last week. And that's embarrassing and horrible to say in from a room full of men that my week was ruined by China, but that's how we roll at Regen. We go deep, we cut to the heart. And so I'm going to get real with you guys and say that last week was ruined by some China. And the reason why that was is my wife and I are expecting a child. We're due in February. And so we're liquidating everything. Everything is either on Craigslist or eBay as we get ready for this child and put down the landing gear. And so I put China on eBay. See, now I'm starting to win you back. I sold our China. And uh, so I put this China on eBay and it goes for a, a pretty good sum. And I was thrilled about that. The problem is, is it sold in Boston. And I'm like, how in the world am I going to get this China in one piece to Boston? I was like, I, I don't know how to do that. So I go to a professional shipping company. And I walk in, I was like, I got this China, it's pretty expensive, it's got to go to Boston, what do I do? And the owner of the company walks out, he kind of pushes his clerk aside, and he's like, hey, I've been doing this for years, I've shipped China so many times, it's never broken, I've never had a claim on China. I'm like, I came to the right place, this guy's going to take care of me. And before it goes out, I'm like, you know what, let's insure it just to make sure. And so it gets out to Boston. I'm tracking it the whole way. It arrives there, checked, received. I'm like, sweet. Cash money in PayPal. We're going to be good. And then I get a call. Hey, some of the China broke and I need you to correct it. And I'm like, it's no problem. I had it insured. It's all good, Patty. Let me just call the shipper. So I call the shipper and I'm on phone with a customer service representative. I'm like, hey, I need to talk to you about a claim. And I start getting like serious attitude from this, this, this guy. And so I remind him, I said, um, I literally said, hey, I need to remind you, this is a customer service opportunity and I need your help. <laughs> and he says to me, I need you to hear me. I need you and that lady in Boston to comply with me to be compliant. And like my heart came through my throat. I was like, okay, then what I need you to do is have the owner of your company call me as soon as possible. And so the owner calls me, I see it ring and I'm like, it's all going to be good now. And he says to me, Hey, uh, you know, we got a problem here. I'm like, yeah, you bet we do. And he says, the, the, no, the problem is, is that this smells like insurance fraud and we're not going to take this claim. And again, like my blood is boiling. And so I'm not kind to either one of these people. And in fact, I'm going to tell you what, is that I called them from my cell phone and I emailed them all the details from my Yahoo account, not from my Watermark office line and not from my Watermark email account. (laughs) You're not laughing with me. You're laughing at me right now. Because I didn't want to associate myself with Watermark because I knew that the way I was speaking was not right. It wasn't kind, it wasn't loving, it wasn't understanding, and I was flipping out or whatever you want to call it about some money because of China. And that's embarrassing and shameful. 
And I hid behind those things because I didn't want to associate myself with Christ. I didn't want to be identified with him. And I forgot that I was in the presence of God throughout that whole ordeal, that he was with me, in me, and that I was his, and that he's my provider. I forgot all those things. And so I acted based on my circumstances rather than who I am and that God was with me. And that's a problem. And I don't think I'm the only one in this room who has that issue you. That maybe there's somebody else out there that's dealing based on their circumstances rather than their identity, who they are in God and his very presence with them. And we see that antithesis throughout Joseph's life. That he, when faced with crazy circumstances, can live peacefully and live with excellence despite terrible circumstances because who he knew he was in God, what eventually would be, and he knew God was with him. And so we're going to walk through Genesis 37 through 41 very quickly this morning as we talk about that. Before we do, we're going to recap this because I'll get in trouble if we don't from the equipping team. But say these with me, four events and four people. The first, creation, fall, flood, tower, and then four people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. You can recap all of Genesis with those eight things. Um, Moving right along, as you're keeping your own chart, you don't have to use these, but these are some ones that the equipping team myself came up with. Chapter 37, from son to slave, as we look at the life of Joseph. Chapter 38, curveball, Judah and Tamar. If you didn't do your reading this week, you're in for some excitement. Chapter 39, from Potiphar to prisoner. Chapter 40, cupbearer and the baker. And chapter 41, prisoner to prefect. It's not a typo. It's not supposed to say perfect. Prefect is someone who's over an entire land. Uh, So moving right along here, Genesis 37. This is where we see transition from Jacob's life to Joseph's life, one of his 12 sons. God gives Joseph two dreams, both of which have his family bowing down to him. And Joseph tucks that away and knows that one day he believes God, the dreams that he gave him, that one day he will be in a position of power and that his family will be bowing to him. And, uh, not how to win friends and influence people. He shares those dreams with his brothers. And so as they're out herding sheep, here comes Joseph and they say, that dreamer who thinks he's going to rule over us, let's kill him and throw him in the cistern. And one of his brothers, Reuben, says, no, no, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in the cistern and leave him for dead. And then another brother says, no, no, let's not do that. Why should his blood be on our hands? Instead, let's, let's sell him to those Midianite traders who are going down to Egypt. And so what I want to show there is that Reuben and Judah went passive. And they chose the lesser of two evils. They went passive and chose the lesser of two evils. And the problem with that is that the lesser of two evils, your choice is still inherently evil, albeit less. Tony from Kennebunkport, Maine, learned this recently when he went on a beer run to a convenience store. This happened Tuesday. And he walks in, and the convenience store clerk turns him away because, like, you're already plenty inebriated enough. You don't need more beer. And so he sends him away. The clerk follows him out because he's like, that guy can't get in a car. He's going to kill someone. And he sees Tony 
not drive off, but saddle up on his riding lawnmower and drives off on a riding lawnmower. So he calls the cops. The cops are in hot pursuit, seven miles an hour, and catch up with Tony on his John Deere, whatever it was, and he gets thrown in jail for a DUI. Now, in his mind, he's thinking lesser evil. It's not going to be vehicular manslaughter. I didn't even engage the blade. But instead, he gets a DUI for driving something, a motorized vehicle, under the influence. The lesser of two evils. And I think we do that same thing because I think we place our standard up against others. And maybe that's in a business decision and your ethics, or maybe it's padding your expense account or watching something that, you know, it's not porn, but maybe it's the Sports Illustrated or HBO or it's just some, whatever it is, Facebook even. And we're making these compromises and going passive and choosing the lesser of two evils because our standard is against someone else rather than God and his word. And that's going to get us into trouble. And so my question for you, I'm going to have highlighted questions on each chapter, is where are you going passive and needing to engage? This also may be a difficult conversation you need to have at work or confronting someone in sin. Genesis 38, Judah and Tamar... Um, this is a black eye in the Bible. There are some parts of the Bible that are like, you've got to wonder why in the world they're there because they're so crazy and wheels off. And you're like, that would have really behooved the people of God to have left that one out. And Judah and Tamar is one of those stories where we see a father sleeping with his daughter-in-law because he thought she was a prostitute. This is in Genesis Again, as Blake said, this is beginnings, getting off to a great start as one of the 12 tribe members is sleeping with his daughter-in-law and impregnating her. There's been a phrase that as people explain the inerrancy, the inspiration, the authority of the Bible, they say that man couldn't write it even if he wanted to. Like there's no way that man could think up the wisdom that is in this book, the supernatural truth, the prophecies that have been fulfilled over the course of thousands plus years. Man couldn't write it even if he wanted to. But the inverse is true as well. Man wouldn't write it even if he could. And this is one of those cases. The Hebrew people never would have written Genesis 38 even if they could. They wouldn't have written it. So Judah has this daughter that it seems like everyone she sleeps with dies. He thinks she's like the black widow. And so uh, one of his sons... You know what, I'm not going to go into it. But if you read it in the message, Onan, it's going to be trouble for you. Um, As he spills his seed on the ground, he dies also. And then Judah ends up sleeping with Tamar. And uh, it's, it's this terrible left turn. You think you're reading about Joseph, and all of a sudden you're like, what, what, did I, is this, where am I? What just happened, and why am I reading about this? And the reason why you're reading about it is because it's really important, and it matters to God, and he gets the glory. Because if you turn a few books over to Matthew, chapter 1, verse 3, 
Third verse in your New Testament. The third verse in your New Testament comes out of the gates and it says, Judah and Tamar have Perez. Perez, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Abinadab. The father of, the father of, the father of, the father of King David. The father of, the father of, the father of, whose mother was Jesus, who is the Christ. And God redeems it in an instant. In one chapter shows you, you think that was a mistake in 38. You think that terrible sin. You give that to me and I will redeem it and use it for good. And so my question to you is, is what's your chapter 38? Because eventually Judah comes out and he tells the truth and he says, she's more righteous than I as he's about to burn her alive. And what's your Genesis 38 that you're keeping under wraps? And if you would surrender that sin to God, he will redeem it and use it for good. And I know that in my life. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I wrecked my life with that stuff previously. But now because I've surrendered that to God, he's able to use it for good. I now have an, a, a voice to tell people that Jesus is real and he saves lives because of what he's brought me through. But if I kept that Genesis 38 chapter of my life under wraps, I wouldn't have that opportunity. I shared that last night with our waiter. I'll tell anyone I can that I'm a recovering alcoholic because they're like, you don't seem like it. And then I get to tell them about Jesus. I get to tell them about my Matthew chapter one, verse three and say, yeah, I wasn't. It wasn't always that way. So what's your sin to be surrendered? Paul covers that as he writes to Timothy and says, even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, so you surrender that sin to God and just watch what he'll do. Genesis 39, from Potiphar to prisoner. So Joseph, we're back on his story. Back in Egypt, he gets sold to the captain of the guards, think head of secret service for Pharaoh. He's 18, thinking he's never going home, never going to get married. And here this woman is begging to sleep with him. And he says this, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against you? Potiphar, no. He says, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? See, he had a right understanding of sinfulness and knew that he would be sinning against God. Proverbs 16.6 says, By love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for, and by fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Not by fear of consequences, not my better habits or greater disciplines, but by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. And so I want to ask, what's your scenario? It's maybe not a woman pleading with you. Maybe it's porn when you're at home alone and you want to Look at it and get relief from masturbation. Let's just call a spade a spade. Or maybe it's your coworker that you're attracted to, that you're flirting with, even though she's married or you're married. I don't know what it is you do, but what is that scenario where you should be living differently based on the fear of God, knowing that he is present and your identity is with Christ, not based on circumstances? Genesis 40, titled this one, Looking and Loving. Sounds like a strategy for Lower Greenville. But what it is, is right now, Genesis 6 and 7, I think it's the most important verses in this chapter, is, is, Gen is Genesis chapter 40, verses 6 and 7. 
It has nothing to do with the dreams or the interpretation. It has everything to do with the fact that Joseph, as a young man in terrible circumstances, in a dungeon, handing people slop and water and probably taking out their bathroom junk, goes up to these two people, these two Egyptians, and says, when he saw they were dejected, he says, why are you so sad today? Which is a strange question for people who are in prison. He knows why they're sad, but he was in tune with them. And so I I gather from that that the Lord's servant is others-focused, even in affliction, interruptible, and compassionate. And that's just my question to us. Are we others-focused, interruptible, and compassionate? I wasn't this week. When I got a phone call from my friend, I was walking out after a long day in the parking lot, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, in the parking lot? As in, like, I'm leaving, I don't have time to talk or meet? And he was like, well, I, I got some stuff going on. I wonder if we could talk. And I was like, you know what? I really, I actually can't, because um, I'm, I'm leaving. And he's like, well, could, could we please meet? And I was like, I can't, like, sit down and have a meeting, but I'm in the parking lot, hint, hint. And he goes, great, I'm almost there. <laughs> and that guy taught me that I need to stop what I'm doing and do what God has in front of me and love people. So who do you need to engage and love and forget about yourself or your own circumstances? Genesis 41, from prisoner to prefect, God elevates Joseph in an instant from prisoner to prefect over all of Egypt. And the way he does that is because Pharaoh has some crazy dreams And he hears that Joseph can interpret them. And so he calls Joseph out of the dungeon and he has to get clean clothes and shave before he does so because I'm sure he was rank. And he goes before Pharaoh and the first time seeing the light of day standing before the most powerful man in the world. And Pharaoh says, I hear you can interpret dreams. And the answer out of his mouth is, I can't. He says, literally, it is not in me, meaning I don't have the power to do so. That, that is a bold and seemingly ridiculous thing to say to the most powerful man of the world who just went to a lot of trouble to get you out of jail. He says, I hear you can interpret dreams. He says, I, I can't, but God can. And so my point here is that everything is from God, that God alone exalts, And we best then give the glory to God. Isaiah says, well, God says through Isaiah, I will not share my glory with another. And men, that includes us. So you think what you have might be because of your hard work or your wit or your salesmanship or whatever it is. I don't care if it's your house, your career, your cars, your identity, whoever it is, whatever it is. It's because of God and you give him the glory because he alone exalts everything's from him. You give the glory that's due. And when someone says, hey, great job, and pats you on the back, you make no mistake and you tell them what it's from. That shipper, when I went back to him and I said, I walked into the store and he was like, oh, I'm sure he's like, oh, this is trouble. And, and first words out of my mouth, I said, this isn't about the China. I'm actually here to ask your forgiveness. And like all the employees stop and they're like, what's this about? And I told him, I said, hey, I'm a follower of Christ and uh, I've not been acting that way. I believe that 
he is the one who provides for me, not some ridiculous sale on eBay. And so would you please forgive me for the way that I treated you and your employee? And he goes, he literally pats me on the back and says, hey man, you're an all right guy. I said, that's only because of God. So we give him the glory that's due. And my question to you there is, where do you need to give God the glory? So here's the questions as you go into your time. Guys, remember to do your books. You can't come in here and expect God to work in these instants, but rather it's a daily walk with God. So continue doing your books and working through this and letting God's word work on you. This isn't the teaching ministry. It's the equipping ministry. If it were the teaching ministry, it would be for us to get smarter. But instead, it's the equipping ministry that we would come here and get equipped to go out and do good works that God gave us to do. So we're going to be equipped and we're going to let God work on us and him work through us with others. So here's some questions. You got some in the book. Don't waste your time here this morning. Let God do that surgery through others and go deep, whether it's talking about the China or porn. Love y'all. Have a great morning.